0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Alan uh, Watt from Canada, and I'm standing in for for Jackie tonight. She called me up about half an hour ago. So there's nothing really prepared uh, to talk about except that we don't really need anything to prepare us because uh, we're flying along on an agenda which has all the stops out. And it's an old agenda, very, very old you can read about it in the 1800s with Marx and others and uh, and even further back in the 1700s with with the French Revolution and the the authors that came forth uh, to help uh, to push the revolution forward Um, and all the followers of course always follow uh, the great leaders in every era every age of society and uh, Something obviously is being turned up at the moment we know we 're already amalgamated as a, a continent uh, the american continent that 's a done deal uh, we 're just the last to know uh, the legalities the negotiations uh, the formulas for even even putting uh, the legal systems uh, together to equalize them all the money systems. Uh, the, all, of, all of these things have already been uh, worked upon. The dollar value of the U.S. and Canada will gradually come down to a dollar par, and uh, that will happen in the final days for, for amalgamation. By then, most people won't care. Uh, the majority of the public uh, really don't really care uh, about what happens in their own life, as long as the, as long as their personal little World around them doesn't change too much, too quickly. Uh, they don't seem to notice almost. It's as though government had nothing to do with them. And in a sense they're right because government, as we're given, it really does have nothing to do with us. Uh, we are the, the low end of the scale. We're the cattle. It's never been any different in any uh, era. Uh, it was far more blatant in ancient times when they wrote about it and, uh, Uh, tortured slaves for fun and entertainment when they were bored at parties. Uh, They did the same thing in the Middle Ages uh, when the plagues were rampaging through Europe and the lords and all their cousins uh, uh, were holed up in castles. They would torture the prisoners just, just to pass the time. And nothing really changes in society. They can always find the, the torturers from the, the dregs of society to do their bidding for them, or give them a uniform and they'll do it for them, as long as they get paid. So we have the defects in society that are useful tools, useful idiots to the elite in all ages. But now, of course, they're, they're building up, up something, a crisis, you might say, within the Americas. Part of it is to cause confusion, um, which is, is a great tool to use as you're going through very big changes, uh, confusion, and the threat of terror, the oldest trick in the book, which the ancient Caesars used to use, uh, terrify the public, claim there's terrorism everywhere, or or or, or someone's threatening the, the the king's life, the emperor's life and the spies are everywhere amongst you, the people, and then the army is turned loose upon the public, uh, and the public give all, up all their rights for safety and simply hope that they don't find out that they're the terrorists because it could be anybody if your thoughts happen to be uh, incorrect. So nothing changes. And we have all the talking heads on the, on the television uh, to give the majority of the public their opinions, uh, which are not never questioned thereafter. The public don't question anything. The vast majority of the public. That's why they're called the public. And PO and PU and masonry are are the lowest forms of life. That's why you have archives for the elite of real history, real sciences, and you have public libraries for the people. And police police you The common person the common man and woman they're building up to something now it's almost as though they want a reaction within the united states and uh and that might be exactly what they're they're after Uh, one of the bigwigs in charge of the u.s air force recently uh was talking about using non-lethal weaponry on the public And he made a strange statement that, well, we have to use it on the public because we'll be using it in warfare situations too. And we'd rather know what it does exactly before we'd use it on an enemy. Well, what are you? (laughs) You You're the guinea pigs. And even to say that and have it published is rather startling because generally they do things to the public and never tell them until 50 years later. And it's even more startling because they've already used non-lethal weaponry on the public and at demonstrations. They've tested all that stuff out. So that it seems to be that they're goading uh, those who are waking up into actually doing something. And the mob who react in all ages, albeit for, for the right reasons, they react. They have never thought anything through. They're disorganized. Uh, they have no clear view of where they're even going. I hear people say we can get America back. And I keep telling them you never had it in the first place. What part of the banker's system do you want to go back to? What period, what era? What depression? The 20s and 30s of the 1920s and 30s, that, that wasn't the first depression. They had three uh, manufactured depressions in the latter part of the 1800s when a a coterie of bankers got together and collapsed the economy by pulling all their their gold. So how can you go back to something which was never yours? And just like today, when you're born into a system and your parents can't tell you or don't know to tell you that it's all... um, manufactured, your reality, everything you accept as normal, is not normal at all, it was designed that way, planned that way, by experts. It's happened in every single generation and era. The big difference today, and since the invention of the radio and television, is that with these particular tools... We are overloaded with data, and, and amongst all the data, we have music, um, entertainment of all kinds to, to put us into this surrealistic state where everything is mixed together, fact, fiction, uh, fantasy, surrealism, um, and some a little bit of truth until you can't discern what is what anymore even on your major media you have entertainment and and the stars and what movies are coming out that's your news everything about Hollywood and the stars is just drama dished up to the public who love to gossip about affairs and and all of this kind of stuff and a and hundred years ago a hundred and fifty years ago and for hundreds of years before that they dished out the same drama about kings and queens and their princes and princesses and who wasn't getting along too well and, and who's unfaithful to whom this is drama dished out to the public and with all their worries and, and their own personal problems the public jump on it and, and and beat it to death as though it really mattered distractions so we're truly incredibly confused when we're brought up in a system of the overload the constant daily barrage of data most of it is useless most of it is totally irrelevant. All the the AM stations that you hear locally across the country, with their with their topic of today, uh, are you for or against? And sure enough, the people fall automatically into the two categories and get all head up and bothered and argue over the radio about what side they're joining on whatever issue that these uh, these uh, gossip dish up for us manufactured reality very few people can, can stop and stand silence anymore um, they've done surveys now and they find that so many people cannot sleep without the radio or the television going Many city people can't stand silence in the country because they've never had it before. They've never lived in an environment with a a lack of noise and machinery and traffic. They've adapted, they've become comfortable with uh, the environment that they've grown up in. And yet only when you're alone Uh And away from it all, can you work through all the nonsense? Only then do things become clear because you're thinking for yourself. A unique thing to do today. Maybe a dangerous thing to do today as well. Because we're not supposed to think for ourselves. That's why you have such a massive culture creation industry as it's always been called by the elite massive to give you your thoughts for every minute of every hour when you're awake so that you don't think for yourself we're not supposed to notice that we're being sprayed like bugs from the skies going on unabated, and the major media that everyone will run after, the major media and their topics the major media won't even mention that why would you trust them on anything else? but the people do and they do because they cannot imagine that professional people and well-known authors that come on television and, and, and news debates, etc., uh, could be possibly lying to this extent to keep the public in the dark, because they themselves could not do that. They can't imagine anybody else could. That's how simple this whole thing is. The elite have always done this. Meanwhile, we're destroying the last few countries that have hung on to their old ways and have not got along with the central bankers, etc. To democratize them. Bring them democracy. Ancient Rome used to go across Europe claiming they were bringing civilization to the barbarians. Then they brought the money to the system with them and introduced it to the public and after a generation the ones who grew up thought it was normal and it was taxed back from them in their labor it's a beautiful con game money the first trick in the book money not the abuse of money money period it can't help but cause abuse and greed and destruction without money no one uh, could get an army together to go against anyone else The ancient Phoenicians are an interesting people although they're called the first main traders they were not the first we know that there were people before them trading between parts of India and Sumer and it's as far back as we were given as history but the Phoenicians used to come into countries with alcohol of all kinds, uh, uh, exotic fruits, etc., and drugs, and manufactured and things that the, the people didn't need at the time, the, the new countries they went into, and they would anchor offshore. And then, just before dark, a, a, a rowing boat would go in and they'd set a fire up on the beach and put some of their glittering little trinkets down and some alcohol. And they made beer back then too. Even the ancient Egyptians drank it. Uh, the bureaucrats even had about a gallon each per day. It's a quota. So they leave the alcohol on the beach, the trinkets and they go back to the main boat and, and watch. And sure enough, uh, the more adventurous ones would come forward cautiously and go to the fire. The women would, would come to pick up the, the necklaces and so on, and uh, and then they we'll start drinking the alcohol. Then the the sign language and the and the shouting would happen between the boat and the shore, and eventually they'd come in there and join the party. And they would come back every so often and trade for for goods from these people, or furs, or anything at all. And once they'd done it enough times and got the people stuck on the, their baubles and trinkets and linens, etc., then they would introduce the money and, and and only accept that again in return. Then they'd send their money man in to distribute the money and and to handle the money. This was a known science at that time. And he who controls the money, and distributes it, and takes it back again, and fixes the rate, runs you. You have no say in the matter at all. And yet a price is just someone's idea. That's all. Once the Phoenicians had, after a generation even, long-term planners, had got the system going in different places, They would put that little place into debt. It could be a village even. Come in to sort it out, just like a bankruptcy. And then they would set up their factory towns. Factory towns, two and a half thousand years ago. For everybody in the town lived in a habitat area. Sound familiar? Making certain things that these merchants would then take for peanuts. And uh, trade elsewhere. And they had strings of these factory towns, habitat areas, self-contained little uh, townships. It's such a coincidence to see the same thing already written up in the United Nations, Agenda 21, the Agenda for the 21st Century. We will all live very happily under this, this sort of unelected bureaucracy, and little habitat areas and all, all of our own functions for work that we decided for us. Isn't that pleasant? We don't have to wonder about things. It's all planned for us. Boy, that's good for lazy people. So nothing ever changes. The same techniques are used, done through the millennia, over and over and over again. And the reason they don't uh, uh, teach that so much in history now is because they don't want you to know that that these are old games that are being pulled over and over. The same ones. And if you find out the the outcomes in the last uh, merry-go-round of the same game, you'll know where it's going with this one. And you might object. So they they don't teach it in, in school anymore. In fact, they don't teach terribly much in school, except political correctness. Money is a key to the system. Once it's accepted as a a normal creation, even though very few people even understand it. And let's be honest, if you can't understand something that runs your life and everybody else's life, they can hire thousands of men to go into an army and go and kill you or kill other people. If you don't understand something so basic, then you know it's a con game. They try to wrap up cons with science. Any science that makes itself a profession does one thing right away. It creates new words, new terminology, so that those outside the profession can understand it, whether it's medicine or anything else. There's always a con involved. You don't say you've got the the cold in medicine, you've got Koisir. The common cold is Chrysler, you see. That kind of thing. <coughs> and back to money. It's the same thing there. Back in the 1970s, a documentary was aired on the BBC in England. Uh, and it documented uh, uh, different ex-professors and economists. It came out openly. And said the whole do- doctrine of uh, uh, economists was utter nonsense, utter rubbish. It wasn't even a pseudoscience with its ups and downs and cycles, etc. It's all utter nonsense because money itself, as I say, is an idea that you're supposed to swallow. And the trick is to get everyone hooked on it, so all we'll swallow it. And it's taxed back from you. And then the money that's taxed back, they hire other little people to work for them to make all the weaponry that then enslaves you. All the satellite technology, all the cameras around roads, all of this stuff comes from taxation. The oldest dodge in the book was how do you get someone to do something for you for free and enjoy doing it? introduce money. The boys at the top, it doesn't cost them anything to do so. They just juggle figures around. We know all that. these cons, left, right and centre, up and down, in and out. Now, about twelve in- international families, supposedly are the international bankers for the planet. Well, who elected them? Most folk don't even know they exist. And definitely most people will never, ever meet them in their lifetime, never mind see them. Well, who gave them the authority to to dictate, uh, they could juggle figures and and throw a a few trillion your way, and you have to owe them back in real goods when they just give you a bunch of figures. In other words, they authorize you to print up money. That's what they do. We get clues all the time of the cons that go on. All the time. And people miss it because unless the media tells you to think about this very seriously, the public won't. And we know that if they want us to think about anything seriously, they'll tell us. They have no problems with that. In a documentary four years ago, by the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, they showed you these, uh, I think it was the same bunch that found the Titanic, but they were following the old sea route from World War II, from America, from the U.S. and Canada, across uh, near Greenland, all the way to to Russia. And the reason they were following this track and and doing the sonar investigations, deep-sea sonar, was to find ships that had been sunk, traveling from the United States, carrying thousands of tons of gold bullion from the U.S. to Russia, Soviet Russia, the arch-enemy communism. Remember, these guys supposedly were going to destroy capitalism, and here they are, getting all the the gold from the U.S. brought across to them. And some of them got sunk by German U-boats. And in a documentary, these, uh, these seekers, these guys who went out to find these, these ships, found one. And they went down and, uh, and started bringing up crates of gold, bars. Why was the U.S. sending gold bullion to the Soviets during World War II when the Soviets were never on the gold standard? And you wonder where all the gold from Fort Knox went. The people of the Soviet Union and the people of America and Britain and every other country are taken as suckers always by this international elite crowd. Much of the major things which happen in your life are drama which you must believe in And if you believe in it, you'll accept everything that's done to you or done to others. And now, as I say, the snippet's coming out in the major media where they're they're going to tell you what they're going to do to you. They're goading sections of the public into action. Then they can turn around and say, see, there are crazy people amongst you there's terrorists everywhere and then the general population will see the the propaganda and the way it's presented about a certain incident or whatever and go along with the media's point of view and then you have the Soviet Union the new Soviet Union right here the Hegelian dialectic When the big boys make statements to deliberately goad sections of the public on major media of what they're going to do to you is to get a response. Something has to happen here. And it makes me always think of uh, uh, Rockefeller's statement to do with the United Nations that, that the Americans would welcome them in. He made a statement in California, a speech he made there. He did wel- welcome in UN troops, foreign troops, under the right circumstances. And don't forget, all the major countries, and NATO countries, have signed an agreement about two months ago to send rapid deployment troops of 140,000 plus to any country within five days. That's a double-edged sword because it means that that can happen to you. They can bring 140,000 or plus into your country anytime they want to. And let's not kid ourselves, this is not about some caveman, Ben Layton, This is George Orwell's 1984. Something that people should read from cover to cover. More than once. The techniques of the ruling oligarchy and the creation of terror and the fake creation of resistance is all laid out there. And Blair, that was the real name of Orwell, he had been recruited at Cambridge so he knew the agenda. He knew the techniques. Lear's father was the commissioner, the British High Commission for the, the English Royal Opium Company of Burma. Well, that's the bell gone. So I'll be back in about a a couple of minutes to continue So get the 30 seconds when that bell goes it's kind of like the boxing ring I think so I'll talk to you very shortly hello I'm back on this is Alan Watts standing in for Jackie Petrou and before I forget I should tell people to look into the website at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and you'll find uh, lots of free shows. You can listen to various topics and history, uh, countries, country creation. A border is just uh, the order of the B, border, B order. I go through all of this uh, con game. Right up to the present time and where it's supposed to go, because they told us where it's supposed to go in some of the books written by the big boys themselves. getting back to to money and the system. Bertrand Russell, Lord Bertrand Russell, said himself in his book, Roads to Freedom, that eventually the public will not use money, they'll use tokens which will be issued to them individually by the government. And it's to be used for a form of social control in political correctness. And those who don't go along with it will have their credits held back for a certain time until they can't pay rent because in the future society there's to be no private property. That's standard in the Illuminati's uh, talks, that's standard in uh, um, Albert um, Pike's writings, that's standard in the UN, their topics, their habitat areas. They said there'd be no private property And so we'll rent everything. We'll be dependent, interdependent, individually and communally. Interdependent for your food, for your water, for your tokens that will be issued to you or withheld if you're naughty. And at the beginning of every, every, every week or so, you'll find the same amount of tokens will start off in your bank account. You can't save them up. And then get above the guy next to you. Because the big boys are changing their system. This is their system. They're changing it to be more efficient. At the moment, we're consuming too much. We're like the, the trained rats that pull the lever for the seed. We work for money to buy, and then we buy ourselves, we, we actually award ourselves, reward ourselves with presents at the end of the month. You know, that's, that's what we do it for, is a simple Pavlovian technique. Pavlov didn't invent it. It was on the go long before him. The same uh, way that Hegel never invented the dialectic. It's ancient techniques. In a new system, we won't need all the plastic junk from China. We won't have uh, uh, massive... Supermarkets that put all the small shops out of business already—that was their function and intention. Marx talked about that too in the 1800s. Yeah, that's how you get rid of the competition. You eliminate what they call free enterprise by putting in the big boys who put all the hardware stores, the small greengrocers, small butchers, all all that stuff out of business. And then once it's done, they jack up the prices to everything. All reality is just close down and, and, and pull out. These massive warehouses they use as stores are just empty shelves once the, all of that scaffolding is gone. They can, they can dismantle it in a couple of days. Marx even talked about the possibility that in each nation to come, you'd have one factory that made furniture for the whole country. One factory that would make shoes for the whole country. They're talking about efficiency. And this should remind us of what, uh, what Rockefeller said. He said Com- competition is a sin. Oh Nelson Rockefeller. And people think he was making a flippant joke. He wasn't. He was telling you something he truly believed in as part of his religion, this elite's religion. Competition is a sin. Yeah, you know, it was Kissinger that, that talked about getting the UN troops and not not Rockefeller, just to rectify that point. So, competition is a sin, you see, in their system. That's why, under the guise of free trade, it's really a cartel trade. It's the authorized ones. The big boys are allowed to trade, and the small guys can't. That's what it's all about. In Albert Pike's Morals and Dogma, the Bible of Freemasonry, and it still is in the quiet circles at the top. He talked about he says we must accumulate wealth by any means. He said, even by dealing on the stock market, any means possible to accumulate wealth and become the masters over the masters of the world. In the 1700s, late 1700s, a book was published called Proofs of the Conspiracy that of a Dr. Robson, a Scotsman, who'd been in the members of the Illuminati class. Now, whether it was put out as a cover to cover other things in masonry, who knows, it probably was, actually. But he did admit that part of the plan was for uh, philanthropic organisations to spring up. Foundations, we call them today which would fund social movements and groups, today we'd call it political correctness, and have laws passed through their force, demanding from the government. Now that's how the Soviet Union was run. Technically the Soviet means uh, run by council. And it talked to people from the old Soviet Union, uh, and they'll tell you that, that NGOs, non-governmental organizations, but well, what they had was the hand-picked leaders at the top of these non-governmental organizations, picked by the government itself, who always demanded from the government what the government wanted to hear. Generally, it was more laws passed. And that's what we have today, is we get hamstrung and tied up with law after law after law when leaders of these NGOs meet with politicians and police and have laws passed between them and the public have no input because well you have to get into a group to be democratic you see individuals don't count now isn't that the Soviet once again and in the 1700s when Robespierre and all the rest of them were writing their books of the system to come And these guys had no love of the common man either, never did. They talked about the system. They talked about the masses uh, having no ability to lead themselves. They also talked about the problems they'd have in a future society. And the problems wouldn't be with the masses or the crowds or the groups. The problems would be from individuals. Because in their perfect system, the individual would be the enemy. It's the individual, the uncommon man or woman who can think for themselves and express themselves and convey simply to other people what's going on. It's that individual who becomes a threat to the system. And so individuality was scheduled to be destroyed. You can see this in the collectivism of John Dewey the guy who brought in to, to really set up the American education system. John Dewey said we'll eradicate all negative history. We won't teach it to the children. We won't, won't tell them who killed who in the past and what groups killed whom because it will keep old hatreds going. So they'd simply eliminate the history. And what a coincidence that's where we are today if you ask uh, the average person coming out of school about wars they'll tell you well World War II was fought uh, over territory it's a territorial enterprise and that's it I guess you get 100% for answering that and some of them don't know who fought in it which countries it's kind of irrelevant in the 1950s this Dewey method was, was spouted by the communists within the United States a great saying came up it was put all over the media the willing media that said don't trust anybody over 30 that's when they were creating the that's when they were segregating the age groups another part of the vital plan or the vital part of the plan I should say to get the agenda into full swing You had to separate the family unit, destroy it. You'd separate the elderly from all the rest. You'd separate the married ones with their children from those that were unmarried. And so they've been been very, very successful. Uh, The average family has no one uh, over 60 in their their family now. People are actually booking themselves into retirement homes as though it's a natural thing to do. And uh, the youngsters are are encouraging encouraging them to do it. It was the, the people who were older at one time were wiser and who passed knowledge and information on and tell you, well, I saw this con back in the year, so-and-so. And this is what happened. There's no one to tell them anymore. They've been successfully segregated, every age group. People should study up on, on Beria, the head of the NKVD, which became the KGB. Since the Soviet system. In the Comintern meeting of 1932 or 33, which you can find if you want to go into a library or you can <clears throat> maybe waste your time on the internet, and you'll find his, his speech con- concerning the indoctrination of children incrementally, where he said they used to take 30 to 70 years to alter the, the, the way of thinking, the perceptions of a generation to accept the next stage of a plan. He says, now, he says, we've it down to every five years because at that time they'd already started a lot of kindergarten techniques in the Soviet. And he found that if they wanted this child who was brought in at three years of age to accept certain massive changes in societal living, Thirty years down the road, they'd start indoctrination at two or three. So that when it happened in their lifetime, they somehow expected it. It seemed quite natural. And then the ones who would come in in the following year, into the same kindergarten, at the beginning age, the starting age, they'd be taught incrementally a little bit more to the next step. And this is why we flow into the changes, massive world global changes, With no hiccups and interruptions. And very few people can figure out the whys and wherefores. Very few people really care. We've taken personal responsibility away from the public until, until now thinking for yourself is a burden. Worry is a burden. Why do you think there's so much worry in the world? Everywhere. It's the same worries, financial marriage crisis, all this kind of stuff. And you wonder why everything's falling apart. Look at, look at the indoctrination everyone is getting in all age groups, all genders. Massive indoctrinations. They've grown up with it. Some of the biggest boys have written books on this and said marriage is obsolete. It served its purpose. And they gave us it in the first place when the Roman Catholic Church first came in to Europe that was the first law they passed when they had the Normans to back them with the sword marriage and marriage for life because it didn't exist as such in tribal systems and to expect someone to be mated up with someone else at the age of 13 to, to, to sixteen and 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 mature at the same speed in the same direction for the rest of their life of course it's ludicrous it's not natural, but they had to start a breeding program for the coming labor for for centuries ahead, which became the industrial era. And people were literally picked by the priests. The local priests would suggest that Sally should mar- marry Bert over there. And that was an order. And he kept tabs of who was marrying whom and their offspring. Uh, were they healthy, robust? Were they good serfs, good laborers, good, uh, good workers? Uh, were they slow? Were they quick-witted? The quick-witted the ones were generally taken off to become priests. So they were taken out of the fields and put in the, the monasteries and and they got their, their food and their drink and a lot more besides. The rest of them stayed as serfs. They had their little holidays now and then to relieve the, the safety valve, let the steam off, where they could be naughty for a day and then go back to being a slave for the rest of the uh, the year. H.G. Wells, one of the biggest propagandists for the New World Order, and a ranking member, a founding member of the Fabian Society, a crown-chartered organization, in other words, authorized to exist by the elite, the crown, (laughs) supposedly representing the extreme working man, left wing. H.G. Wells, in his book, The Open Conspiracy, stated, this is a non-fiction, most, most of his work was actually non-fiction, but no one wants to read that, it's boring, there's no thrill, there's no sex and violence in it, so they, they don't read the non-fiction. But he said in that particular book, "Tis many will fight and die to stop the new world order. Never knowing. Never ever knowing that that which they're trying to preserve was never theirs. It's just what the group they were born into became accustomed to it as familiar. We are so far removed from what we think of as normality. We don't know what it is anymore. And now we're on a roll where all that it was normal for a few generations, that's only what becomes tradition, you see, is all in flux crisis after crisis. Uh, men marrying men, women marrying women. Uh, uh, just before 9-11, a month before 9-11, had a meeting of the international censorship committees for all the different nations. Censorship committees. Now you think your censor bureau of your country is to keep you squeaky clean and protected from profanity, you see. But now their job is to see how much you can take by their constant polling. And instead of that meeting that now they'd won the, the battle for homosexual rights and lesbian rights. They were going to uh, up the ante. Up the ante. Then the next following day, the newspaper in Canada, and one in the States, two professors at different universities stood up, gave the identical same speech, obviously written by the same hand. Identical speech, saying that... Uh, bestiality would be next. Bestiality. Because once your idea of normal is thrown out the window, as the old song says, anything goes. And the more confusion and the more the speed, the rapid speed of, of, of change, the more Confusion there will be created, and the more can be implemented quickly and that is what's happening now. The European Union had panels working in nineteen forty eight in secrecy, sworn in this international agreement not to disclose this to the public that their nations would be deindustrialized, and then when the nations were joined. Uh, under a, a super parliament and admitted that only a few years ago after the official announcement of the European Union as an organization under a super parliament and it actually stated the public must not be told this until it is completed a free society eh? Now I can guarantee you this amalgamation of the Americas probably had bureaucrats starting at the same time in 1940 working on the amalgamation of the Americas. We know that Marx talked about the amalgamation of these three continents, you might say, or the Pacific Rim region as well. In the 1800s he talked about it. We're living through it. Those that want to believe this is coincidence should just uh, go and spend their money in the local casino. How many coincidences do you need before you start thinking for yourself? We're watching laws being implemented, the same laws on a national, international, regional, county, local level at the same time, same laws passed across the world. What does that give you a clue as to what is happening? Once the amalgamation of the Americas takes place, then they'll announce who is to be the the kingpin for the Pacific Rim region Australia has already been signed off to, to China really who will be the dominant region for a while and for all those Australians that think well they'd never do that to us don't you believe it they will I was astounded at what happened to Rhodesia and then South Africa, which were part of the British Commonwealth, remember. They were founded, supposedly, founded with British backing and charters. They were colonies of Britain. And the the, Afri- the African National Congress just suddenly appeared with massive funding. It was called the communistic system at the time well armed all the rest of it and fighting went on for many many years and then when the final push came into Rhodesia there wasn't a peep came out of the British media as to what was happening unless you knew people there you wouldn't know what was even going on with a brief little mentioned that it's a sort of passed away when all these uh, people had flown out of the country before they were killed and the reason for it was that was also part of the agenda. These, these places were founded to rape the wealth for a long time by the same elite, and they did. Cecil Rhodes was backed by Rothschild and De Beers to, to basically monopolize the gold and diamond industry at that period when they were still on the gold standard. They're not on it now. They still use it, but not the same way. And now that its function was over, they could simply dispose of those countries. And part of the plan was to unify Africa. Just the same as we've been amalgamated, Uh Mandela's job is also to unify the whole of Africa. Unification. And of course they used the old tribal techniques, we're all one, we're all one big nation. And the schmucks go along with it and then they get ripped off and wonder what happened and where their dream went to. And for all those agencies that worked towards this great plan for such a long time should dig into the writings of Clymer, of the Rosicrucians in the United States and read the convocations they had, the the big meetings they had especially the opening one, uh, when when they founded their main building in the United States. And he said, we summoned, we, the Rosicrucians, summoned the Blue Lodge. And he mentions the Eastern Star and all the other organizations of Freemasonry. He summoned them all, and they all came. And they pretend they're all different. Who's kidding who? And in that meeting... He ended it by saying, We shall not rest. This is the early 1900s. We shall not rest until the eagle of Mexico flies alongside the eagle of the United States, as it should be. The amalgamation. Oh, what another coincidence, eh? Isn't the world just full of it? Well, that's the, the bell coming up. Meaning a uh, uh, minutes or less. So please look into cutting through the matrix.com uh, there's more stuff going up all the time and uh, check into the, the, the stuff for sale because it keeps me going and uh, thanks for the support of those who have uh, sent off for books and so on nothing's fancy but it's it's truer than anything else you'll buy in the glossy paper bags thanks for listening bye for now